Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is John Cupis. Uh, he's the CEO of HSource. The website is h-source.com. John, thank you for being here. Uh, Richard, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so tell me about HSource. Well, what, what does the H mean and uh, what's the premise of the company? Well, I have to give credit to the founder, Murray Walden. The H stands for hospital, hospital source, or a uh, hospital to hospital or medical facility to medical facility marketplace. In our country, uh, the U.S., we have about uh, conservatively 10 billion in waste and just ex- uh, medical supplies and products with an expiry date, and another 5 billion in non-controlled pharmaceuticals. Uh, and an interesting statistic: they just did a study uh, in ProPublica that end-to-end in healthcare, there's $765 billion of waste, bigger than our defense budget. So long and short, there's waste. That's our target market. We created a cloud SaaS-based marketplace to help hospitals and medical facilities to exchange those assets instead of throwing them out or putting them in the ground. Well, when you say waste, you don't mean medical waste that no one can do anything with. You mean uh, no, uh, I'm talking usable items. New products. Yes, new products. New- that new products that are unexpired, unused, undamaged. Yes, same with the non-controlled pharmaceutical. It's it's new product, brand new. So, so particular to hospitals, what kind of um, you know new product waste is there more of than others? You know, what kind of things get uh, you know get wasted? Do they just get thrown away right now? And what are the predominant ones? Well, I think you see a lot of items in the uh, cath lab, the OR. Uh, surgery, uh, OR being operating room, and I think uh, there's just a significant amount, and those are caused by uh, physician preference items. The physician leaves the hospital, contract changes, product upgrades, or sometimes the uh, distributor uh, says you have to buy a case of something. It might be 12 or 24 of them, and you're only going to use two or four of those in a year. And then they have an expiry date. So obviously that's going to turn around to be waste. And what hospitals have have typically done in the past is they would either, A, just throw it out, uh, sometimes uh, throw it out and get a tax write-off, small, sometimes give it to mission donation, uh, and sometimes sell it to a third party at 10 to maybe 15, 16 cents on a dollar. Um, we're helping the hospitals recover uh, 40-plus cents on a dollar for them. Well, hospitals always seem to be, like, the you know, desperate for money. So how much um, is the current waste scenario impacting the average hospital's bottom line, do you think, if nothing was done about it, which I'm sure nothing is done about it in most places? Well, you know, that's a really good question. It's changing. If I can go back, and this would be kind of the why. Why are we starting to get a lot more hospitals on our platform now? Uh, the margins are decreasing wall-to-wall in, in U.S. hospitals. The average margin has gone from 42 to 2.2% across the hospitals. And 
the main reasons for that are labor is the biggest spend at 33%, and they've leaned that out about as much as they can, but there's still rising cost of labor and the rising cost of health care for the labor pool, the health care benefits. And supply chains number two right now at 31%, and the hospitals that manage that are the ones that are doing are going to do well financially viable going forward. But it, frankly, Richard, it's why there's so many bankruptcies and so many hospitals, especially the small and medium, are teetering on the edge. Um, so I hope that answered it. Uh, there's there's a need for it. it the, the, the other thing that's happening is with the different health care reform acts over the last years, you know, we like to say to a hospital, you're never going to be paid more than you are today for what you do because of outcomes, bundling, reimbursement formulas, it's only going to go down. So you're going to have to manage those supply chain costs. So it's, a, it's right time, right place. Those that don't are having a lot of trouble. And there are a lot of hospitals that are really thin in margin across our country. I didn't realize they were operating on such thin margins. So the average hospital, you said some used to have about four. So 4.2 said some aren't. There's some that are very successful. You know, you'll see in Becker's or different industry reviews, they're running high. I'm just giving you statistics up from the American Hospital Association, wall to wall. And that that includes the critical access and the intermediate, medium-sized hospitals. And their margins are thin. thin. So, all right, but the average one uh, went from 4.2 down to 2.2, or it's it's heading in that direction? No, that was the data for last year. Uh, That's... Okay, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. That's horrible, yeah. So, you, so you think that this? Um, so, there's a huge need for this. How much do you think this will? Uh, I guess it'll stave off even worse, or it, could it bring them back to that 4.2 uh, percent margin? Like, how much of an impact do you think that your work's going to have? Well, you know, I, I mentioned the Y slide. You know, if we recover a dollar that they were going to lose at a 2.2 percent margin, they would have had to generate 45 dollars in new patient revenue. If we saved them $25,000, you know, in recovery, that would have been over a million dollars. So I do think we can help. Um, you know, it has the multiplier makes it a significant impact. Every dollar that we recover goes right to drops right down to the P&L, the bottom line. So that's that's significant. So I would think then, okay, so you have is what you're doing is creating a vast database of extra stuff that hospitals have. So hospital A could say, hey, we need catheters. Oh, look, hospital B and C has some. Let's get it from them and buy it at a discount and then vice versa. We we build a platform that's an online. It's sort of like Amazon meets LinkedIn uh, because we allow people to go in and we vet who they are. It's a closed network. It's not an open network because we need to vet that they're medical facilities. That's one of the beauties of what we do. And then the second thing is we allow them to communicate because we also work with capital equipment. They can ask questions of each other about the equipment, the even some used equipment. Um, so we allow them to communicate on the network, and then we facilitate the transaction. A very robust accounting system where, you know, think about it. We have over 400 hospitals on our platform that are actively doing things, and our system is intelligent enough to manage. You can order from you know, through one vendor, eight source, those 400 hospitals. It would do 400 pick list purchase orders, combine it into one invoice, and then split all that back out for payment. So 
we help hospitals reduce their number of vendors that you have to work with to work with all those other hospitals. So yes, we're aggregating hospitals and medical facilities on a common platform, and we allow them to communicate. Hmm. So you can do buying pools where if you know, yes, sir. If I need, uh, I don't know, whatever bedpan, I have to buy like 50 cases of them. You can have a bunch of hospitals pool together and buy like a whole container of bedpans, for instance, to get the I, discount. They divvy them up. Right? I may not use bedpans. That's what we would call a disposable, <laughs> very inexpensive. But no, seriously, inexpensive. But let's take a little different scenario. Um, now, this is where we're very disruptive. What if it was like a group of, let's just use an example, say 10 hospitals and they're in a metropolitan area or two metropolitan areas, and they buy suture. Well, suture is pretty predictable. There are very predictable patterns on that. What if they used our platform to manage that purchase going direct to the manufacturer and manage the virtual warehouse of that product or distribution? And you could save 4 or 5 6%. Now, that's disruptive, and that's a big deal. So I'll, I'll go along with what you said. But say maybe we're looking at doing things like that. And, you know, we couldn't lead with that, but we're beginning to do those things now. And that's disruptive, but it's also really exciting for the hospitals. I think that's where, okay. whether it's us, all, all healthcare has to move that way. The larger networks are already doing it. They're already doing more and more direct purchases and working with contract changes with their GPOs or, or alongside their GPOs group purchasing organizations to go direct to the manufacturers to save cost. Makes sense. Mm. Makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, so your network is about 400 hospitals right now, you said? We have uh, 20% of the U.S. hospitals under contract, but I'm being blunt that we have 400 that are active, which is just under, it's about 8% of the available pool in the U.S. hospitals. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we're pretty well, proud of that for a little a little oh, company. That's great. We've, we've come a long way. Well, that's great. I mean, if you can get up to, is there going to be a threshold? Let's say you can get up to 800 or 1,000. Are you going to all of a sudden be at a new level of purchasing where you'll get a lot more yes. efficiencies? Like, you know, what's the path Our, forward here? Well, we had three points. We've had two of them. We had 200 and 400. And we thought somewhere around 500 was very significant because, 200 started to get interest. Um, 300 to 400 start a real network with meaningful data because you have statistically relevant data. You have enough transaction volume. And over the course of a year, because we just really started turning up revenue a year ago, and now you can begin to see patterns. And the more a hospital uses this, Richard, the more they use this because they have more success. And we've even had the best scenario we could have. I mentioned earlier that hospitals are cutting labor like crazy. Well, we now have some of our bigger clients adding a person to just look for opportunities to use HSource. Um, but that's a big deal. And that is a big deal for us. Yeah. Well, how many possible hospitals could you work with? And, you know, um, is there a large part that are excluded from your ability to work with for some reason? Boy, there's a loaded question. No, we're Switzerland. We can work with everybody. But frankly, we've okay. worked a lot with early adopters. We can work with everybody, but there are things within the healthcare industry that restrict our access some. Okay. But we're breaking down those barriers. And as those margins decrease, those barriers come down. Well, I mean, okay. I think that 
all hospitals would want to improve their bottom line. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe you can't get yes, them in but yeah, it's well, weird. I, I would think they, every they, hospital would want to do this. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this, that if somebody is managing the hospital supply chain that has come in from outside of healthcare, had manufacturing experience, Six Sigma, lean manufacturing, continuous improvement methodologies, they look at A-Source and say, why not? Just put it in there. Um, you have other groups that are inside healthcare were a little different. And, you know, they may be a little reticent to move forward. And, and as I said, we're just a little different than what they've done. It's not hard. It's very easy. We've made it as easy as possible. But I think that's a barrier. But we've, we've identified those early adopters and we're getting good traction. Uh, I think that some of the, 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 there's, people are beginning to realize the opportunity with GPOs. I think we're beginning to work with some GPO consulting groups that see us as a real asset and a value add to their clients instead of a potential adversary, um, you know, by reducing waste. And uh, I, I see it changing. That margin decreasing is driving change in the industry. And we're working with one, I can't say who, but one of the GPOs consulting groups, and they've been tremendous because they're a thought leader. They're really looking at how how to transform the supply chain from a cost center to a revenue center in the hospital. And, and my old background, I love thinking like that. That's that's outside the box, and that's what's going to be needed to really transform healthcare and supply chain. Well, it seems like you know, with healthcare in such trouble. Um... It might be a good idea, maybe, or maybe it's kicking a hornet's nest to, uh, you know, approach the government and see if this can be mandated that the hospitals have to use <laughs> a uh, supply chain solution like this to cut costs or to improve their margins. Can I take you yeah. on presentations with us? You ask great questions. <laughs> <laughs> you would oh, be you. the ultimate segue. Uh, I, I think that would be good, but the government views itself as something that you know, we, we might be able to work with the VA, but that takes a lot of layers and time. Uh, in, in time, that may something like that could happen, but I think we'd need about a thousand to 1,400 active hospitals. So we're obviously moving to do that. I think then you have a true critical mass, and you are the standard. We don't have a direct competitor right now, and uh, you know that's what we're shooting to do. Exactly what you just yeah. said. Whether it's mandated or not, I think it would just become, why aren't you on the platform? Why aren't you using it? It just makes too much sense. Well, there's always like the news story of, you know, the community hospital that helps people have no money that is going to have to exactly. close down, you know, so this would prevent that or help to prevent that. We, we, we actually it, have some, some stories where instead of having to buy a case of a $1,000 item of $12,000, $12, they bought a one-off from us for, say, $600. And, you know, the people were almost in tears because that's the difference between a part-time nurse or not in that facility, okay? You know, to work with direct patient care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that happens. And, you know, the larger hospitals tend to populate our network and the smaller and medium tend to be the purchasers because we allow them to break up cases and buy in smaller units or get a better price for something that they, they need for patient care. What about, um, I mean, I know you can't do everything, but you said hospitals are cutting back staff, so I could see a labor sharing 
in the exact same way that uh, you would do this uh, supply chain sharing. You know, if a certain hospital needs nurses and they're short-staffed, they need them just for a shift or two. You know, if there's a group of local hospitals, they could work with each other to uh, balance the load of work that they they need, you know, of personnel. You are a really um, thoughtful person and you think outside the box and that's not our core but a good friend of mine in another industry sent an article about that very thing this week. And hmm. uh, I'll give you an example of this. We work with a lot of hospitals all over the country. Sometimes they're in direct competition and it's very hard to get them to collaborate in that way because they view it as direct competition, hmm. even if it's a shared resource. Now, they may not like me saying that, but that is a fact. But I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because if well, you're really the, trying uh, to reduce cost, that that's logical what you're saying. Well, to really, you know, take the thought to the the end extension, I guess the the master plan for you could be to uh, get multiple levels of efficiency in place and then get investors and buy up X number of hospitals and you run it as a network that's actually run right. But that's, uh, I know that's like a whole. Well, but but that, that's, I, I can't say that's our focus. Uh, uh, the board would chastise me if they heard me say that. I, I think we right. offer one part in supply chain, but we do, we're privy to seeing a lot of things. And I think for what you described, there was an article in Forbes not long ago about those work sharing relationships in other industries. That's the article that was forwarded to me this week. And it was a tremendous article. I think it makes all the sense. It just makes sense. And I wrote back saying that to the people. They were asking me what I thought for healthcare, and And I responded to it in, in social media, saying I thought it was uh, spot on. And we were seeing it at some of the more innovative groups, but it would be where they controlled the resources, meaning, you know, maybe they owned four hospitals in a metro area and physicians clinics and an ambulatory surgery centers. And then they can share resources across that. Um, not necessarily from network to network or hospital to hospital that weren't related. Okay. Well, what about all those, um, the urgent care places that are popping up all over the earth? Could they share some supplies with hospitals or is the stuff they use sure. really different? We, we have some medical, we have some urgent care, physician-owned practices or, uh, you know, surgery centers, uh, GI endoscopy centers that, that buy some of the products that we have from the hospitals. Sure, absolutely. They're yeah, they're operating. You know, that of only only depending on the hospitals, you could, uh, you know, I mean, you could work with dialysis centers, with medical care clinics, with all kinds of other ancillary organizations, and improve the network. We could, lot, you know? we could, and that's one of the things we hope to do. Is we've we've built a platform. You know, we talk about communication and collaboration. Yes, it's a marketplace, but we talk about being able to communicate and collaborate together to reduce waste. Okay. Well, very good. So, what's the uh, what's the plan for the next year? What what kind of goals are you looking to hit and things to achieve? Well, we we look to um, double our revenue, uh, to uh, double the number of. I wouldn't say double the actives. I think we'll get to 600 actives on the the network. Uh, 600 some next year. Uh, I think we'll uh, open up some possible new markets. I think you might see us in a Southeast Asia market with English-speaking clinics. Open that up as a distribution point for some of the products. Uh, and I think you'll see us get involved in some larger networks and more involved with some GPO consulting groups. 
and maybe with some of the larger consulting companies beginning to recommend, you know, influencers recommend our product to people. And uh, so I think we'll have an, an even greater impact, a much greater impact on the industry this coming year. We're excited about 2019. Yeah, no, that's great. All right. Well, very good. So what's the best way for uh, interested parties to get in touch and to find out more? Well, you did a great job of saying hsource.com and there's a contact us page and I'm on there and uh, Murray's on there. Uh, Walden, our founder, you know, reach out to us. We'll get back or one of our people will get back to you. But we also have some wonderful videos on there that we've done. One describes the overall process and the other describes the platform in a little more detail. And we've gotten really good feedback on those those videos that they give people a good idea of what we're doing. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, Richard, thank you. I enjoyed it. It was an honor. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.